When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we take up the episode, That Which Survives. Compliance, the final frontier. Tom Fox is the voyager of Trekking Through Compliance. His mission, to explore the original series and seek out and share what it can teach you about compliance. Here's your host, Tom Fox. Trekking Through Compliance, Episode 72, That Which Survives. In this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, we consider the episode That Which Survives, which aired on January 24, 1969, and occurred on Stardate Unknown. Story synopsis. McCoy, Sulu, Kirk, and senior geologist D'Amato beam down to investigate a strange planet the size of a moon, but with the mass of the Earth. The planet has no magnetic field, but does have a well-developed atmosphere and plant life, despite the fact that the planet appears to be only 1,000 years old. After the landing party is beamed down, a strange woman appears and says, wait, you must not go, and kills the transporter officer. The landing party discovers there is more afoot than reaches the eye when both they and the Enterprise are tossed wildly. Much to the surprise of the landing party, Spock, Scott, and the Enterprise is knocked 990.7 light years away from the planet. An autopsy performed on the transporter operator by Dr. Sanchez, because remember, Bones is on the planet, reveals that the deaths resulted from the disruption of every cell in his body. Spock does not know what to make of this, but returns to the planet at warp 8. The landing party splits up, and Sulu reports a magnetic spike, which then vanishes. D'Amato is sent in search of underground water by Kirk, but is killed by the woman who zapped the transporter operator when she says, I am for you, and then touches him. When Kirk tries to dig a grave using his phaser, he makes no progress and discovers that the rocks of the planet are composed of dibrinium osmosium alloy. Burial is then accomplished by decovering D'Amato with rocks. Meanwhile, aboard the Enterprise, engineer grade four John B. Watkins not to be confused with the sloop John B., is killed by the woman when he checks out the bypass circuit, but not before he warns Scott that a strange woman is aboard the Enterprise. The cause of death is found to be cellular disruption in every cell of his body. Back on the planet, the woman appears in front of Sulu and tries to touch him. Sulu tries to shoot her, but his phaser is ineffective, and the woman touches Sulu when he trips over a rock and but only but she is only able to damage his shoulder before Kirk interposes himself and finds that she cannot harm him. On the Enterprise, the woman, the woman rather, rigs the engine to ex- engines to explode by fusing the emergency bypass circuit on the Matar antimatter integrator. The Enterprise is, begins accelerating out of control, and Spock estimates the Enterprise will explode in 14.87 minutes with no way to stop it. Back on the planet, Kirk's phaser overloads itself and Kirk is forced to fling it away. The woman appears again and tries to touch Kirk, but is prevented by McCoy and Sulu. 
She identifies herself as Locira, the commander of the station, but she does not register on McCoy's tricorder. Kirk follows the off-scale reading to an entrance, which then opens. Scotty saves the Enterprise from exploding by reversing polarity on the magnetic probe and returning the magnetic flow to normal. The Enterprise then begins decelerating from its peak speed of warp 15.2. Seriously fast. When the landing party enters the chamber, they find a glowing cube and a copy of Locera, who is for James T. Kirk. At first, he is protected by Sulu and McCoy, but two more Locera's appear, one for McCoy and one for Sulu. Spock rescues the landing party at this juncture, and when he beams down and destroys the computer, which was projecting the image of the woman Locera. When a record tape is automatically played, they find out that the planet they are on is actually a space post built by by the Kalandans, who were all killed by a disease they created while building the planet. The outpost was left on automatic, with the computer attempting to fend off all explorers but the expected Kalandan ship. Kirk prepares to return to the Enterprise. He comments to, in response to a statement by Spock that beauty such as Locera's is transitory, that, quote, beauty survives, end quote. So what is today's fun fact? Well, the fun fact is that Locera was portrayed by or played by former Miss America Lee Merriweather, who went on to perhaps become a little more famous as a co-star to Buddy Ebsen in the 1970s television series Barnaby Jones. Um, Previously, she had been a regular on one of my favorite all-time television shows, Irwin Allen's short-lived science fiction series, The Time Tunnel, along with James Darren and Whit Bissell. There are some interesting continuity issues in this episode. This is the second time the Enterprise crew members create a resting place for a fallen comrade. It had happened before in the first seasons, The Galileo 7, where crew members Lattimore and Gatineau were buried. Captain Picard buries Captain Kirk in a similar way on the planet Viridian 3 in the first Star Trek movie, Star Trek Generations. Commander Sulu mentions the Horta of Janus 6 from the great episode Devil in the Dark. This is one of the few examples in the series where a past episode is referenced. Interestingly enough, Sulu did not appear in that episode. And finally, this episode is only one of a handful of Star Trek, the original series episodes, not to contain a form of a log entry. Very unusual. So uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, sadness at the end when you realize uh, what had happened to the uh, Caladians uh, on this planet and how an automated system was still running, waiting for them all these years later. So what are the compliance takeaways from today's episode? Well, I would ask you to think about risk. I'm going to do it a little bit differently, but risk is going to be the topic. And I'd like to consider three questions. What is your company's risk tolerance? Number two, how do you manage sales risk? And three, how does your board look at risk? So under risk tolerance, what is the tolerance of your company for engaging in managed risk? Is it uh, simply done on an ad hoc basis? Have you ever sat down and talked through what you want to do around risk, how you want to look at it? Are you a high-risk-taking company? Are you a low-risk-taking company? Are you a middle-risk 
taking company? Have you ever had that decision around what's the risk tolerance of your company? If you haven't done so, it might be an interesting exercise uh, for you to do. Number two, how do you manage sales risk? And here what I mean is not the risk of, of not being paid, although that's obviously a credit risk that's something you have to look at, but how do you manage the risk when you give discounts? How much uh, discount authority does your sales force or sales team have to give a discount of anything less than price book pricing? Do you have senior management oversight and review of this risk, of the discounts rather? How does senior management um, note, note this? Is it via email? Do you have a contract risk management system? What's your protocol for managing sales risk? And finally, how does your board look at risk? Is this a discussion that you as the chief compliance officer have had with your board of directors? Managing risk, thinking about risk is a key area for boards of directors and you need to have that discussion with them going forward. I hope you'll join me tomorrow on Trekking Through Compliance when we look at the lights of Zatar. If you enjoyed this episode of Trekking Through Compliance, you can help it grow by sharing it with the biggest Trek fan you know. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.